Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives Excited to get into this episode with Connor Meekin But before we do Have you checked out Brio yet? What? Why not, man? What are you waiting for? If you have checked it out, then you already know what I'm about to say. And if you haven't, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's my favorite recovery brand. Their mini massage gun and their foot massager are the best. They're the best. We talk about recovery all the time on this podcast, and I'm sure you do as well. So why not use the things that are going to help you just do all the recovery stuff. It's going to make you feel better and ultimately will help you as an athlete. That's right. The mini massage gun is going to help you as an athlete because, frankly, it will help you with your warm-up, pre-run, and the percussive, the percussive, there it is, massage at night is going to really help you as well. I lean on this stuff all the time. Not only do I like it, my whole family loves it. My whole extended family loves it. So give it a shot at us.brio.com. That's B-R-E-O, us.brio.com forward slash rambling runner to save 20% at checkout on all of your orders today. Now, my podcast with Connor. What an interesting, interesting guy with a unique athletic background. And uh, yeah, played sports that, frankly, we've never talked about on this podcast before, which is really fun and exciting. And a guy who at one point was told, you know, you might not ever run again. And, uh, you know, when you hear those words, man, as an athlete, um, that can really set you back. And it was interesting to talk to him about how we handled that and his wild journey to try to get back to running um, and how it ended up turning out. So I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I do want you to listen to the whole thing because this guy has done amazing things. He's worked so hard and I'm just so happy for him. So let's get into it with Connor Meekin. Connor Meekin, welcome to the show. Hey Matt, I'm happy to be here and uh, excited to uh, share some things today with you and your audience. That makes two of us. Yeah, man. I can't wait to talk to you because, well, first of all, you are an accomplished runner. You've done a lot of cool things as a runner. And one of the, I don't know, one of the coolest, I don't even know you call it coolest, but one of the, the things that I can't wait to talk to you about is the fact that you came back from injury that really is in a way and from a type of injury that not many people have to deal with. And something that so many of us have to deal with on some level is returning back from injury. So it's like, hey, if someone can come back from something like Connor came back from, maybe there is hope for us all. Um, so let's let's dive into that in a second. Before we do, though, however, how did you get your start in running? Let's just start there and then we'll start picking it up with, uh, with, with, with how the injury happened. Sure. So to make a, a long story short, I ran, you know, cross country in elementary school, you know, grade three, four, that type of thing. Had some some obvious natural ability, but, you know, preferred playing other sports. I thought running was, you know, punishment and just wasn't all that all that fun for me when I was younger. So uh, focused on a lot of other sports. My real passion was basketball growing up. Um, I can relate to that, man. It's the best sport. Yeah. So I ended up uh, playing basketball, realized I was a bit too short to make a go of it. So uh, played a lot of different sports, actually really excelled at a, at a sport uh, field hockey, which isn't 
played as much in North America, but it's really popular, obviously, in Asia and Europe and, and Oceania. So I actually um, was a member of the Canadian men's national field hockey team from, gosh, 2011 to 2016. Um, a lot of that was us kind of building up and trying to qualify for the London Olympic Games. Um, so yeah, I mean, pr- pretty, pretty, pretty mixed uh, athletic career. But I think, I think, I think mixed sport, mixed sports backgrounds really sets you up for for running, particularly trail running and ultra running, because um, just the multi-directional nature of sports really, really sets you up for. Uh, success on trails in particular. Um, I talked about that exact same topic with Dylan Bowman because he hammers this a lot. And as someone who played division one lacrosse, um, which isn't just from a movement standpoint, very, very similar to field hockey. I mean, it's, it's basically the exact same kind of thing, except for you're maybe a little bit more vertical where with field hockey, you're, there's certainly more bent over and there's much more lower back and glute work than, um, than lacrosse or soccer would have. Yeah, no, you, you you know what you're talking about because a lot of field hockey players, you got uh, a lot of weird lower back problems because it's such a strange position to be trying to run in all the time. For sure. And was it what was what was about field hockey that got you into there? When especially with where you were living, like ice hockey is 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 king. So what what about being on on land for your hockey skills? Was, yeah, you're was, right. Was, you're right. It's a strange one. So yeah, I played every sport growing up, uh, played ice hockey, but, uh, kind of drifted away from it. I was more interested in soccer and basketball, played baseball in the spring, but, um, for any baseball lovers, this might not be a popular opinion. I just think it's so boring and just mind numbing to watch and, uh, sometimes to play as well. So I was looking for a more engaging and interesting sport in the spring. And a friend of mine suggested field hockey. I didn't really know what it was, but, uh, started playing in grade eight which is somewhat late for a sport, I guess. But uh, yeah, I just kind of excelled at it. And um, yeah, ended up making the Canadian men's team, uh, you know, not because I'm some uh, stud athlete, you know, I obviously didn't make it in other sports, but, you know, a more niche sport like field hockey allows for uh, an easier entry to um, a Canadian team. So yeah, we ended up traveling all over the world, played in, you know, Pan Am qualifiers and World Cup qualifiers from, India to Russia to Australia to all over the place. So it was a pretty crazy few years. Connor, I love the humble nature. I will I will gently push back. If you're on a on a, if, if someone is on a national team for any sport, I'm gonna venture to guess that person's a pretty good athlete. <laughs> Let me just say that. Yeah. No, my uh yeah, my, my girlfriend uh yeah, she calls me out when I'm uh trying to be too humble or something like that. I think it's just because I'm uncomfortable, you know, you see this with some other people, they're just uncomfortable uh expressing some of their accomplishments, so they default to um you know, downplaying it. So were you aware, just being from an athletic ability perspective, you know, when you got into, you know, some of these sports and then ultimately with field hockey being something that was really like a bigger part of your life long-term than some of these other sports, um, how did you stack up athletically to your peers and how did you perceive that athleticism under the guise of when you got into running? Like what, what, how confident were you in your athletic ability? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I'm definitely a a good natural athlete. I can pick up most sports pretty quickly. Good, you know, hand-eye coordination, those types of things. In terms of of fitness, yeah, yeah, I would say I wasn't the fittest guy to start on the team, that's for sure. But I think one thing I noticed was that I responded to training quite well. I responded to, you know, interval training or different workouts or whatever that we had to do on the team. I responded quite well. So whereas, you know, some people maybe had a, a bit of a higher baseline than I did, I was able to get quite fit from the training. And, and looking back on that, you know, that really did set me up for running 
Um, cause by the time I, you know, quit playing field hockey, I was, yeah, one of the fitter guys on the team just from all the training we've done. And that, you know, obviously extended really well to the training for running when I got into that as well. And talent can manifest itself in a lot of ways. And there can be a lot of characteristics, um, that can help qualify someone as, as talented in certain ways. And, and also, you know, doing the work, the hard work to manifest that talent into something, right? Like if Jim Walmsley never ran a day in his life and just sat on the couch all day, no one talked about how, how talented a runner he was. Um, and there's probably maybe people listening to, people listening to this episode right now uh, who have never done enough to express the talent that they have. Um, so talking more of the point that you just mentioned, in terms of handling the training, did you feel like you were, like that maybe you you were able to grow from that training faster than other people, that maybe you could um, handle a lot more rigorous training than other people could while having the same sort of recovery? How, how would you, you know, take a deeper dive into what you just mentioned? I think it was both. So, so I guess the, you know, the big secret with a lot of team sports is uh, the most talented, best players occasionally don't like to do the, uh, the, the, the fitness and the workouts and that type of thing. Cause the sport comes so naturally to them. They don't have to, I was more of a, you know, grinder. So I had to be really fit to, um, have a spot on the team and, and really, you know, give value in that way. So I found, you know, I, I was, I was quite, um, resilient, my body and, you know, I, I could handle the training and pile the training on top of training and I was able to stay quite healthy during the sport. But, um, yeah, that also, you know, that, that kind of positive feedback loop, you know, it also gets you into trouble. Like we talked about, you know, talent and, and hard work and manifesting that talent. It's, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because sometimes if, if you have some talent and some early success, you just want to keep pushing and that kind of gets to your detriment, certainly. And in my situation, it did where you think you're doing so well and you just fly a little bit too close to the sun and, and, you know, maybe train a bit too hard and try to train through that little niggle. Cause you think you're, you're, you're bulletproof. But, uh, yeah, let me tell you, as, as you get older things, uh, you get humbled quite quickly from, uh, from injuries as I did. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, obviously if you're approaching it in a safe way, so like you're eating enough and doing the stuff where like, you're not going to be like really putting your body in danger. It's just a matter of like, all right, how hard is too hard in this certain, certain kind of sport and how we're doing it. You know, at some point, again, I'm not advocating someone to do this all the time, but at some point you have to find out where the line is by going across the line on occasion from a how much can I handle perspective. Obviously, there comes with caveats there. Again, you need to be eating enough. You need to be sleeping enough and all of that sort of thing. But if you never quite get to that line, then you don't know where it is. That's a good point. That gets me thinking. I know I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I found your uh, your podcast on cross training really interesting because that kind of allows you to maybe, you know, push forward in certain areas in a bit of a safer way with something like biking than, than running. Because, yeah, you know, it, it's really important to push yourself and find that line. But you always you always need to, like, have the caveat that running is just hard on the body. So if you're not quite accustomed to it or you're trying to make too big of a leap and find that line through you know some heroic week where you want to run 100 miles or something before you've kind of prepared your body for it that's where that's certainly where i've gotten in trouble in the past so um trying to try, trying to learn from those mistakes as i get older and it's interesting you know approaching running from another sport especially approaching it from um training uh from a training perspective and then comparing it to training at a high level in another sport right because we oftentimes we talk about running in terms of like hey you know, two workouts a week, maybe three. Um, and then, you know, really trying to, to, to really go easy the next day. That just means easy in terms of like 
the kind of output you're doing, not necessarily like you still be going for certain athletes, you can still go 90 minutes and go easy. And that's not that big of a deal, especially if they're just going again at a relatively low pace for them. But then you come back from your sport, you're like, what do you mean? We're going hard six days a week, sometimes even seven days a week. So when you started going into running, what was that conversion like? Because it can feel a little weird to like hear like the the base model of, of run training and juxtapose it against other sports. And you'd be like, wait, we're going hard twice a week? I don't understand. You're right. It's so different. Looking back at the training we did, it was like, you know, six days a week, sometimes two a days. And it was just it was it was so much like high intensity on the field and looking back i'm like gosh like there had to have been a better way to to do that knowing how like runners properly you know periodize things if they kind of know what they're doing and you have a coach um so yeah you know when when i first got into running i would kind of i guess i guess i was somewhat uh cautious with with mileage because i was running on roads to begin you know with a friend of mine before work type thing and we would kind of just we weren't really thinking too much about, you know, you know, workouts and that kind of thing. We kind of just ran like what typical people do when they get into the sport, I, I would say doing, you know, a lot of like sort of endurance runs. So like above the recovery pace, but you know, we were just doing the same sort of run three, four days a week. And we, um, you know, at one point a friend, you know, we were kind of just running local road areas around here in Vancouver. And, and a friend of mine was like, Hey, we should, we should run the Vancouver marathon one of these, uh, you know, I think it's coming up in a few months. I was like, Whoa, I don't know about that. We're running like 10 Ks before work. And, you know, he wants to run the, run the marathon. I was like, I don't know about this. Anyways, he, you know, we talked ourselves into it, started Googling things and realized it was, you know, two and a half months away. So we ended up registering, um, and started Googling marathon training plans and realized we were way behind where you're supposed to be you know eight 12 weeks out or whatever so yeah somehow somehow we got through it we basically lined up a couple long runs before kept doing our thing certainly weren't doing any workouts and uh yeah lined up at that marathon a couple months later and you know it, it wasn't pretty um it was uh it was a mess there's a lot a lot of carnage out there we were certainly not prepared i don't think we ate anything i don't think we drank any you know maybe we drank something at the some of the eight stations, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how, kind of how I got into running in my adult life, which, which is interesting. You know, that's the only road marathon I've ever run. You know, after that, I had some friends take us into the trails. Went out on top. (laughs) Yeah, I really went out on top. (laughs) Yeah. If if on top means uh, almost passing out at the finish line and, uh, you know, having to walk backwards downstairs for the next two weeks, then yeah, certainly went out on top. (laughs) That's well, so talk to me about, you know, going from there, all right, that's kind of like your early foray. You you really pick things up a notch uh, very quickly in in running, and then, um, you know, I've I've been there with you, man. So I know I know how that feels to be underprepared for a marathon and the carnage that can ensue not only on race day but the days after that. Uh, so when did and why did running end up taking a more special place in your life after that initial again the initial foray into the sport? Yeah. I think it's an addictive personality really. So just to be completely honest, uh, you know, I, running is just, it's just has this addictive quality. Once you get past that initial, Hey, it sucks trying to get someone fit and you can actually run, uh, and consistently and kind of get places and explore. Yeah. It's really, it's really addicting. So particularly when some friends of mine brought me out into the trails, it was just, um, yeah, I felt like I was like, Whoa, you know, I've been missing this for the last, you know, 10 years. I wish I'd been doing this while I was you know, playing field hockey or before this, or it really just kind of flipped the switch from, from seeing running 
as you know punishment or just just to get fit to more you know exploring and 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 seeing where you can get and finding new trails and, and discovering new peaks and and that type of thing particularly around vancouver where you know we're, we're, we're so lucky to have just a massive outdoor playground here so um yeah it just became a lot more fun you know and and, and you know i'll also say you know having success and, and being good at something definitely breeds that as well you know as i mentioned from the the mixed sport background, I think you're just really well prepared for trail running in particular. Um, you just have, you know, naturally you're probably going to have somewhat better footwork for downhills than, than other people that maybe didn't grow up with that background. So yeah, I had some success and just felt good and just, just loved it. So just started looking around at what we could do and, and pushed forward. And, and, you know, the same friend that I'd run the, the, the marathon with, we were already looking at signing up for an ultra, you know, that, that summer, the marathon was in the spring and we were already, you know, figuring out what ultra sign up was trying to find races that summer. So man, in for a dime, in for a dollar. <laughs> it's like the, the definition of that. Well, talk to me about the trails that you, that you started picking up on. Uh, I don't know the area. Well, Lord knows. So, um, you know, there, you can go to a lot of different places, have a lot of different kinds of trails here in the Northeast. They can get quite technical, Rudy and Rocky. And, um, you know, so pace, I mean, you know, you can basically almost completely disregard it. However, like for me, it is fun to kind of, when I get my appropriate ankle braces on to kind of like be a little bit more creative in terms of like how to step around things. And again, you, you do feel more athletic when you're, when you're training like that. Um, it's not a direct correlation to road racing, but it is, it is kind of, it is an interesting sport for sure. So what kind of trails did you start training on and which ones did you enjoy? Yeah. So we definitely have a mix here in the Vancouver area. We have, some steep mountains right outside of town in, in North Vancouver that uh, have a couple of ski resorts on them. So those are, you know, steep, steep, you know, 300 or sorry, 3000 foot climbs in like, you know, uh, two to three miles. So those are steep, really steep grunts. Uh, you know, I've been told this kind of like the Manitou incline in, in Colorado, but a bit longer and, and somewhat, somewhat steeper. So we have those. I, I didn't do a ton of that at the beginning. I was kind of transitioning so you, you know when you start trail running you from the road background a lot of people are still concerned about about pace and mile splits and all that kind of fun stuff it takes you a while to realize that like hey you know a lot of us are going to hike these uphills or you know the more technical trails are fun even though you're going slower so you kind of you know eventually you get less caught up in the the mileage and the pace and you kind of just realize that it's you know a different sport for lack of a better uh lack of a better word so ran some you know some buffed out trails on some of the local parks here as well just because it's a bit closer to where i live so i kind of run on those during the week do a bit of road running during the week and on the weekends really just try to adventure so yeah i know you mentioned the northeast is famous for their you know technical rocky rudy terrain uh, we definitely have that in the Pacific Northwest as well, uh, particularly, yeah, some of the mountain, you know, the mountains around here, just, just, it sounds similar, you know, I've never run, run in the Northeast, but it's just rocky, rooty, kind of, kind of relentless. We don't really have any of that, like, nice California carpet type stuff they have uh, so down jealous. there. Every time I see those stories on Instagram, like, look at this, are you kidding me? I do too. And I've run down there a couple times and it's just, it just feels so soft. I don't know if it's like pine needles you're running on or what it is, but we definitely don't have any of that here. It's uh, yeah, a little, a lot more rocky. Um, so it sounds, sounds a bit similar. It really kind of, kind of slows you down, but um, we're, yeah, we're just so lucky. There's just, you know, massive mountain ranges all around here. So if you're into peak bagging, it's kind of the, the perfect playground for that now. 
And because you didn't have some sort of like extensive road running background, obviously you did some sort of running in conjunction with your field hockey work to get fit for the season and all of that. It's not like you were in a perpetual 12 month a year season. Like sometimes people can be with running. Um, do you think that transitioning to a trail running focus from a very limited road running background allowed you to embrace it for what it was instead of comparing it to like, oh, but I'm used to going six minute pace for my threshold work or, or Lord knows what else you could you can compare it to. Definitely. I, I definitely got into trail running before. Well, you know, I wasn't really researching, you know, I wasn't really like a running geek at the time as, as I am now. So I, I didn't really look at, you know, paces and splits and all that when we were road running. So yeah, I think, I think getting to the trails really just, really just allowed me to have fun and express myself and, and really like above all else, find a, a competitive outlet that really like filled me up the way that, you know, sports growing up did and field hockey did. I think, um, yeah, when I, when I quit, I'm, I'm still just, you know, I'm so like competitive by nature, almost to a fault. So having an outlet like that is just, it's just really nice to be able to push yourself. Um, but then also, you know, I'd love to say I'm just pushing myself, but you know, I'm competitive and I want to do well in races and that type of thing too. So I think, I, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of running for competitive people, you know, whether you like to say it or not, is kind of feeding, feeding your ego or, um, you know, perceived, perceived slights and, and, you know, really just getting confidence from that. So running really definitely helped, helped kind of feed my ego and, and allow for a more competitive outlet to uh, keep me from going stir crazy when I'm at work. And is that something that you've been able to, to, to keep long-term or is that kind of like short-term bursts of motivation in that sense with kind of a different longer-term vision from a, a, either a motivation or goal perspective? I would say uh, that's definitely flipped in the last couple of years. As you get older and, and you, you go through a few injuries and you kind of, you want to optimize for, for health. At least I want to optimize for health and longevity while still trying to be competitive and push myself. So certainly in the, in the first few years, I just wanted to run a lot. I wanted to run around, win races. I wanted to do well, see how fast I could get, see who I could beat, those types of things. It, it's definitely started to switch the last couple of years, but yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the competitive fire runs deep. So uh, no matter how much, you know, work I do to try to just be content with where I'm at and, and the gift of running, um, yeah, it still creeps up for sure. Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it for sure. I mean, a race is a race, right? And it's like the most natural thing in the world. Like kids know kids race each other without even knowing what a race is called. You know what I mean? They want to beat, beat the, the other kid to the fence or to the end of the driveway or whatever. Right. Like, and as a parent, the easiest way for me to get my kids to do anything is to like time them doing it even though even though it's a completely arbitrary number that is meaningless to anybody it's like hey 27 seconds to do this it's like how does that compare who knows no one's ever timed anyone doing that task before in the history of humankind um it is just kind of part and parcel with our endeavors obviously we want to be mindful of the the broader community at the same time but you know it's just say it's part of the it's part of the game i guess i guess part of it is you don't want it to like you know completely you know i guess overtake everything else that you want to do. And all of a sudden, only thing you care about is, you know, how you rate externally against other people. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, I was maybe trending towards some of that before, before I got badly injured and gosh, when was this like 2015, 2016? It's a while ago. I'm dating myself already, but um, yeah, yeah. You're always kind of straddling that line of, um, you know, I don't really know what to call it, unhealthy competitiveness, you know, but it's such a fantastic motivator. Like you said, you know, it's uh, it's a bit of a razor's edge there. For sure. All right. So how, and this is something that's interesting for me because I know there's so many high school and especially even college athletes who, 
you know, get they're they're done with their seasons, they're done with their careers, um, not careers, but they've graduated from college, and it's like, all right, well, what do I want to do now? I'm still an active person, but I don't you don't have an outlet or like joining the men's or women's league or you know a unisex league at night after work is nice, it's interesting, but it's not like the same level of commitment, and this is why. Dylan and I had a conversation about this, like, hey, it'd be great to bring those kind of people into running and see what they're capable of doing because they're obviously talented athletes and see how it manifests itself with, you know, a couple of years of training. Um, what was it like for you on a social perspective? Because you have talked about your your athletic experience growing up and even into your early 20s as being team sport focused and all of a sudden you go into running, which has a lot of similarities maybe with the training you've done in these in these genres. However, it's a very different thing as part of being part of a team sport. All of a sudden, you're an individual sport. So how did how did that go for you, that conversion? And, and what was it like from a social perspective with running and whether or not you were running with other people or if this was a solo endeavor? Yeah, I think the, the team sport background is really interesting. So yeah, I love playing team sports. It just teaches you so much about, you know, leadership and teamwork and all, all that kind of fun stuff. The, yeah, the, the interesting thing is I, I actually struggled later in my field hockey career because of, of the, the the pressure of the team sport. You know, when we're, we're playing in like World Cup qualifiers and all these tournaments, you know, the I didn't deal with the pressure that well. And, and you know, I guess the, the, the team sport's great, but also, you know, being fearful of letting your teammates down and, and messing up and not playing well a lot of that pressure I found really difficult to deal with and ultimately I you know I just had a hard time playing to my ability because a lot of that pressure now now when you when you when you get take that into an individual sport like running I I actually found it pretty refreshing because in running it's there's no hiding you know there's no what you get out of it is kind of what you put into it. You know, there, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no faking being fit and running. Whereas in team sports, if, if you're talented, you can kind of get by on being talented and, and better than other people. But yeah, there's, there's no hiding and running. And I found that so refreshing. Like, Hey, you know, if I just work hard and, and, you know, hit these workouts or mileage that I wanted to get, I could really see the benefit and the tangible results. Um, so I really found that refreshing, really enjoyed it. Not, not having to, not having to, to, to rely on, on external things like other people or teams to, to, uh, you know, get merit from running. Um, and, and when I, when I did get into it, I was lucky, you know, one of my, one of my best buddies, Chris, that, uh, I was working with, you know, he, we kind of got the bug at the exact same time. So as I mentioned, you know, we would, we would run together every day before work, uh, the same painful loop on the Vancouver seawall here. And yeah, so we, we, ran together a lot basically we had the exact same like build up to the marathon we ran and basically the exact same build up to this you know first 50k ultra that we ended up running in washington that summer so yeah i really i really i really found it refreshing being able to you know just train with your buddies and and meet new people because it's um yeah you end up you end up making you know some of, some of your best friends as you get older as i'm sure you know are the people that you end up like doing activities with because you don't have time to just sort of hang around so um yeah you've kind of like developed you know, uh, such a, such a depth of, of friendship with these people because you've been through such, you know, trials and tribulations and bonks and all that kind of fun stuff. Couldn't have said it better myself. That, that, that was, that was, you really hit the nail on the head with that one. And it's so true uh, for anyone who's gone through similar, similar athletic experiences. Um, so let's talk about the injuries because this is, you know, really interesting stuff. So, so, so detail for us kind of, you know, your injury story and what you heard when there was a diagnosis slash prognosis in terms of, of, of what this was going to potentially mean for your future? 
Sure. So yeah, finished, finished my first season of running and was just like so stoked and so excited to push forward the next season. So, you know, and this time of year, everyone's kind of looking at their schedules and racing calendars. And I picked a, picked a few races that were really interesting to me and I thought were really competitive. Uh, you know, the big race that I wanted to build towards that summer was the rut in Montana, that kind of famous 50k run. And it was, I think it was maybe the second or third year they'd run it, but, um, you know, uh, Killian announced that he was running it. So Solomon was, you know, sending the whole dog and pony show over there to, to cover Killian and, you know, all these other fast guys were running it. So I was like, Oh man, like I'm going to register for that. I'm going to like, you know, train all summer, do all these races before and I'm going to show up. I'm going to be so fit. And I'm going to like make this big splash on the, on the world stage and, you know, do so well and get sponsored and all this kind of fun stuff. Anyways, that was the big plan. As, as uh, the listeners can probably find out where this is going, it didn't quite work out that way. So ran, I ran uh, three or four great races that summer. I was like so fit. I was the fittest I'd ever been because I, I think it was just so early in my career. My body was somehow responding to the training without getting injured at the time. You know, I was up to, I don't know, almost 100 miles a week and, you know, lots of vert, running well, doing workouts, kind of doing what I thought you were supposed to be doing at the time, which is running a lot. Anyways, I, I, I just ran, I think I ran too many races that summer. I had a, you know, a couple great races and then a friend of mine wanted, wanted me to help them run their first 50 K. So I was like, Oh, of course I got to do that. But it was, you know, two weeks after another race I had run and it was just too much. So basically what happened was I was running right around the 4th of July or Canada day here in, here in Canada. And I did a, did a, did a big run, kind of back-to-back runs, and uh, just rolled my ankle. Like, you know, everyone rolls their ankle. This was, you know, certainly the worst one I'd ever done. You know, you hear the pop and kind of, you know, had a, I had a walk, made myself like two walking sticks and kind of did the, the walk of shame back to the car, like just like, you know, four or five miles or something like that. Anyways, I'd always run through ankle injuries before. You can't, you know, when, when you're playing sports, you just, you, you just ice them and, you know, get through it really without rehabbing them properly. So ended up running on this jacked up ankle the rest of the summer without rehabbing it. And it really wasn't obviously wasn't moving properly and was still swollen. So ended up doing another run, you know, two, three weeks later and I was running down a hill that I always run here in North Van. And all of a sudden I um, had this weird feeling in the bottom of my foot. It felt like uh, I always tell people this and it's really hard to describe it. It felt like uh, like a tendon on the bottom of my foot kind of sprouted wings. And it it felt like it certainly like kind of, kind of ripped off somewhere and it, and it felt like it was kind of, I don't know, it's weird. It was like flapping or, or like kind of like flying like a, like a wing. So I was like, Whoa, that didn't feel very good. It was pretty, pretty painful. So I, you know, ran back to the car. I don't know, maybe took a couple of days off in hindsight, did all the Googling and, and things you can try to try to figure out and saw physio. But um, yeah, ultimately what happened was I, uh, I, I ruptured uh, my plantar fascia Um which is similar. Yeah. I mean, plantar fasciitis or whatever they call it, fasciosis, um, is a lot of kind of a lot of trauma and kind of minor tears to your plantar fascia, but I had a, like a a hole the size of a dime in mine. Um, so yeah. And and the tricky thing about that is it's, um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to heal when you have a a tear that big in your fascia and and it's particularly hard to hard to heal if you don't uh, rest properly. And as I mentioned, I was gearing up to run the rut and it was already mid, mid 
mid to late July at this point. So, you know, I did like the, what every good runner would do. I did the, the cross training and the, the biking, but I was still trying to run and hike and find some way to stay fit to get ready for the rut. So didn't, didn't let it, didn't let it rest properly and, uh, still trained like a maniac, still ran on it, even though it, you know, I, I, I couldn't run without, uh, like severely altering my stride and gait. I look like a crippled person trying to run, but for some reason I didn't clue in that, you know, uh, you know, I obviously should have stopped running. So I think it took, you know, it's, it, it, it took a couple of months for me to really realize how bad it was and how it wasn't responding to anything. So I started finally kind of trying to get in to see some doctors that, you know, this was after seeing physios and our, you know, massage therapists and all those kind of fun things. I had a physio who said, Hey, listen, you know, I'm happy to keep treating you, but I don't think it's what we're doing is working. So you might want to get some imaging, uh, you know, an MRI or at least an ultrasound or something. So ended up going through the, you know, the, the public care system here in, in Canada to uh, get some imaging done. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bummer, just a, a massive slice of humble pie to find out that uh, yeah, I had a kind of a full rupture of my, my plantar fascia. And uh, as I mentioned, this kind of big hole, I looked at the imaging and it was just like a big black hole, you know, where the, where the tendon was supposed to be. So, and that was it. I was, uh, you know, that was, you know, the most devastating news I've, I've had in running for sure. Um, so then I was trying to figure out how to fix it. But uh, a lot of the doctors I was talking to, you know, these are standard, you know, Western medicine doctors, right? They, uh, all of them told me they'd never, they'd never seen one this bad before. Um, they'd seen, certainly seen, you know, uh, tendon issues and Achilles tendon issues and tendinopathies and all that. But they were like, listen, this is, you know, We've, we've never really seen one this, this bad or this beat up. So I'll never forget sitting in, uh, you know, like this doctor's office, you know, him going through the imaging and telling me, you know, Hey, you're, you're really fit. You should, uh, take up biking. You could probably be a good, good, good cyclist. Um, and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, what are you talking about? I'm going to, you know, fix this and get over it. And he said, you know, Hey, you know, you might be prepared. You might not, you might not run again. Like this thing is, this thing is so bad. Like, there's not a whole lot of precedent for, for how to treat it. Um, and I was just devastating news. It was, you know, as you can imagine, whenever you get injured, it's just like the worst doldrums ever. So I was, uh, yeah, I was just so taken aback and it's just like depressed. I just didn't know what to do. I felt, felt really rudderless for, for the first time in a long time. So I kind of just like, yeah, sunk into this, sunk into this depression and, and, kind of, I almost, I almost gave up on, on treatment for a while there. Cause I was trying all these different things and nothing was really working, uh, particularly, particularly with like the, the Western medical system, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm all, I'm all about it for certain things, but, um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes there's just not, not really the answers that you're looking for. So let me dive in there because it's like, it's one thing if you had, you know, you're running downhill, you take a wrong step and you snap something, right? And you're like, all right, like that's serious. <laughs> I don't need a doctor to tell me that, yeah. right? This is serious. I'm going to be out for a long time, right? It's a whole nother thing to have this kind of like uniquely gradual thing happen and then ends up being a another very serious thing, but not because of like one explosive moment. So what was that like to go from like, you know, gradual, 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 gradual. And then like, I gradually just walked off a cliff as opposed to like, you know, tumbling down an avalanche or something. Yeah, it, it was, uh, 
I don't know. It was, I just keep coming back to like, it was just so, it was so devastating. It just shook me like so bad at the time. I was just so into running. Like, uh, you know, it's in hindsight, it was, it was, it was obsessive. Like I was so into it. I was, I was, I was reading what everyone was doing. I was, you know, trying to hit all the training and all of a sudden just, just being hit with that. It was just, just shakes you. Like it, it you know, you really kind of figure out, uh, well, sorry, sorry. So to back up, so, so for me, it really, it really realized that like running was like almost an unhealthy priority at the time. You know, I wasn't a professional runner. I had a job, but I was still doing the things that a lot of these, you know, pros do, um, trying to fit it in outside of a, a pretty standard nine to five at the time. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was tough sledding for, for, for about a year there trying all these different like weird treatments uh, you know, I saw all these different naturopaths as well, started doing all these um, I wouldn't say strange, but, uh, a lot of different kind of like injection therapies that were pretty, pretty new at the time. They're a little more established now. A lot of like PRP platelet rich plasma therapy for, I'm sure a lot of people know what that is and prolotherapy and all that kind of strange stuff. But, uh, I actually found some of those made it worse at the time. So, so what had to happen? Did they have to like heal? I mean, you, you had this rupture, you had this hole in the fascia. So what, what are like the, what are like the steps to heal something like that? Yes. So one of these naturopaths I talked to said, Hey, you know, we've done similar treatments on Achilles tendinopathies that are really bad where you, um, you know, he, he was, that guy I talked to was really big on, on PRP. So he said, you know, listen, there's this new thing, PRP, where, you know, we take your blood, we spin it in a centrifuge and isolate all the, you know, fun stuff, the growth factors, yada, yada. And we inject it back into the site of the injury to, um, cause, so much inflammation and cause such a ruckus in there that'll kind of kickstart and restart the healing process. So I was like, sold, where do I sign up? Let's do it. So, uh, you know, found, found a way to, to scrounge some money together to get this done. Cause it was all, you know, yeah, basically private through a, through a, through a naturopath. This is back in the day when this wasn't that popular. This, this was not like super popular back then. This was like no. when Kobe Bryant went to Germany, to get PRP injections and people were like, wait, what? He went where to do what in the off season? Yeah, yeah, that that famous German doctor that everyone uh, pays paid visits to. I would have I would have gone and seen him in a second if I had the money to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I actually talked to a couple runners that had seen the same the same naturopath that I went to for different injuries. Obviously, maybe nothing as severe as I had, but um, I was so desperate at the time, and I ended up doing I ended up doing PRP with this same guy probably four times. Uh, I actually did prolotherapy probably four or five times with the same guy as well. Um, which in hindsight was, you know, this was, this was all over like the course of a year. Um, but you know, you, you do one and, and, you know, they tell it, you know, it, it's hard to say with these injection therapies, cause you know, you really do take a step back for a while while it's so inflamed after the injection. And then, and then the idea is that, you know, maybe in a couple months it'll start to regrow or kind of heal itself. But, um, yeah, th- those at the time, I, th- I think it really just made it worse at the time. And, and I think it goes back to, um, yeah, if you do have injuries like this, I, I think I think it's almost not to say anything about these treatments. I, I believe in some of them. I think I think I think it's the practitioner um, and their skill and talent level doing the treatment uh, is more important than the actual treatment itself. So that was definitely a a lesson learned and a lot of money wasted uh, with the wrong practitioner at the time. So what? So I guess at this point, once you've gone through these these various um, modalities or whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you've had your four, your five, you know, appointments and here you are, you're trying to be optimistic, but things aren't really trending in the right direction. Um, you know, how, wh- what time frame are we talking about here? 
it was crazy. It, this was probably two years since the initial injury at the time. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And you know, you'd see people on like Instagram or social and you'd hear about some runner that and this happened repeatedly with me. Some runner would have some sob story about how they got a stress fracture or, you know, broke something or, you know, tore an ACL. And I, I remember constantly thinking, I was like, man, it's so sad. These people are, this guy has a, like a six month rehab, but like, at least he has a plan. And there's like, there's like a, a known way to heal these injuries. I just knew that those people would be back running before I did. And I just, it was just so depressing to like read that. So I had to like, eventually I had to just pull the cord on all running related media. I had to like, just, just get away from it for a good, a good year or so. And just kind of just, just let my body just kind of be and just relax and kind of just get away from the pressure of trying to get, get better. Yeah. It's like, it's like having someone break up with you and then like you have to turn off the radio. Like I can't listen to pop songs anymore. I'm too raw. I'm too emotionally raw to handle this. I know. Yeah. It was, uh, it was such a, such a tender subject at the time there. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, removing and and blocking your ex, you know, that's, that's kind of what you got to do sometimes as petty as it sounds. I mean, if we, if you go back and I kind of like compare this almost like Norma tech boots where it's like, I'm sure Norma tech boots have a positive and I'm, I'm just literally picking something because I just saw like someone in Norma tech boots, like on an Instagram post, I'm sure that it's a great tool and it has certain, you know, validity to it and all that stuff. But like, if you just said, Hey, I want you to get off your feet and put your feet up for 30 minutes, just without anything, you'd be like, yeah. well, there's going to be a positive benefit to that. So part of me is like, you spend two years doing or a year and a half, maybe after like, it was really like, Hey, stop running. Um, and you're like, all right, all right, well, I'm going to do all this stuff. But if they just said, Hey, don't do anything for, don't do any running for a year and a half. You'd be like, well, we'll probably heal <laughs> if I don't do anything. If I just like spend zero money and I just like you know, just walk and do, hop on the bike and probably will hear heal in a year and a half. I know. I, I think you're definitely right. And it goes back to like my, my challenge with that. And I think a lot of runners uh, empathize and can relate to this is like, it's hard. It's harder to do nothing than it is to do something. So you always want to feel like you're doing something to make it better, whether it's, you know, Hey, I'm going to like, you know, foam roll my calves every day. Cause I think that's going to help or, you know, Hey, I'm going to, you know, take some supplement that's supposed to heal or, you know, it's hard. You know, I I still struggle with it. I always feel like I have to be like doing something to help, you know, what, what I need to get done as opposed to just like being, being still and just resting because that a lot of time, that's just what your body needs. All right. So how, so how and when did you start to, to re-engage with activity and running and just your athletic self? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. You know, I still, I still did a bit of biking here and there a bike, a road bike. I think I bought a road bike at the time and I was kind of just, you know, putzing around figuring out where everyone would road bike. To be honest, I hated it at the time. It was, it was, I was like, oh, I just want to be The last thing you needed was another stressor on your lower back after years of field hockey. (laughs) I know you're right. Yeah. And like cramming your feet into the road, road biking boots and the little cleats and all that fun stuff. And like, oh my gosh, if you're like just getting into biking, your, your butt's sore all the time. And Man, it was just, it was, it was, it was fine. You know, it's, it's nice to get an outlet and, you know, stay fit. And, you know, I was so lucky to be able to do that. You know, some people have injuries where they can't even, can't even get outside and road bike. So I think, I think I just became a lot more grateful for what I could do uh, at the time. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's a couple of years to kind of get there. Um, and, you know, I, I think I was really, if I wasn't going to be able to run it, you know, I was still so determined to get back, but, um, cause I wanted it so bad, but I, I started to kind of, you know, sounds kind of corny, but just like let go and just kind of be grateful for what I, what I did have. And I think the funny thing is once you start doing that, you fully let go of the idea of running. That's kind of when things start to start to maybe heal a bit. 
And it's funny because it's not even as if you had running for like this long period of time in your life. No, no, you're right. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a quick, a quick couple of years there. You know, it was such a, such a, it was like a, a real, um, how do you say this? Like a real, real hot, fiery relationship, maybe that uh, goes so hot that just burns, you know, crashes and burns after a year. So, um, yeah, I felt, you know, I certainly felt empty when I when I wasn't running, which is funny because you know I'd only really done it for a year or two before I uh, got injured. So, what were your first literal and metaphorical steps back into running and, and testing that out? And um, even if it wasn't running, maybe it was even seeing like a physio uh, to kind of see how things had potentially progressed in in the interim period. Yeah, so I was able to. So a cu- couple things, um, you know, this might help you know, some, some injured listeners out there. I think it's always good to get like different opinions. You know, if you have some physio that isn't working, don't be afraid to try a different physio. You know, I think at the time, uh, you know, I obviously in hindsight should have done this sooner. Um, I was still seeing different kind of, kind of doctors and, and massage therapists and, and different physios just to try to, fi- you know, to try to get anything. I was really grasping at straws. So uh, a couple things I saw, oh, oh, another, another interesting thing. I was seeing a Chinese medicine doctor as well um, at the time. And actually, uh, I couldn't afford it, you know, a, a traditional TCM. So I, uh, I started Googling like how to find, you know, on the cheap Chinese medicine doctors. And I actually was able to get, get free treatment. Here's a pro tip for people. You can get free treatment. Usually if there's like a, a Chinese medicine, uh, doctor, like school in your city, if you volunteer to be one of their like subjects, you can, you can usually get free treatment. So wow, you were really <laughs> grasping yesterday if you're looking for like the free treatment handbook. <laughs> Oh, it was absurd. I, w- I would go into this room and there were like 12 students and then the, 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 the doctor slash teacher would like treat me in front of them. It, it was, it was absurd. I wouldn't even do that for a haircut at like a haircutting <laughs> school. Never mind like my injuries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. So, you know, obviously with doing that, I found a, I had a, I had a sports doc here that I ended up seeing that, that actually helped quite a bit. And he referred me to a, a different physio who, um, really helped out a lot. So, so, you know, she's, um, now, now she's the physio for a lot of the Canadian, uh, Olympic, you know, runners, distance runners, um, was able to get, kind of get in with her and she, she What's helped her name? Let's of, give her a shout out here. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know if she needs it. Her name's, uh, Mary Lou Lamy, but she's, uh, she's the physio for Evan Dunphy, the Canada's race walker who, um, you know, just meddled at the Olympics, uh, Mohamed as well, who just meddled at the Olympics. So she's the, uh, the physio for them. Yeah. She's, she's unbelievable. She's a real, uh, she's just so good with feet, feet and calves and, and those types of things. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have had these physios where, um, oh, hey, you know, it's uh, it's your your left shoulders out and that's why your your right foot hurts, you know. So there's definitely some of that in there, too. That's hard to so abstract. It's hard to understand. But, um, yeah, the whole body's connected. So I think, you know, working with her helped a lot. Um, you know, I don't know, seeing a massage therapist that helped a lot. But um, I also 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 at the time I was, you know, I, I'm really interested in uh you know, health and nutrition and, and eating and all that kind of fun stuff. So I was also um, at the time Googling a lot of like strange uh, tendon healing foods. So I was basically just throwing like everything at this to try to figure out how to, how to fix it. So I was eating all these strange things. I was eating like aloe vera cause I thought I had some like healing properties. Um, I also ended up finding uh, bone broth, which is, is uh, supposed to have, um, similar tendon healing properties to, to collagen or gelatin. Um, and I found this, this researcher at, uh, I think he's in San Diego at the time that had this lab that was kind of like doing all this cutting edge research on using gelatin and collagen to heal, uh, tendon injuries and ligament injuries, particularly like Achilles injuries. So 
I emailed this guy and, and, you know, talked to this, um, this researcher and, you know, kind of asked him and he gave me some suggestions of how to use, um, how to use gelatin or, or, or collagen, um, with a specific like loading tendon protocol, um, to, uh, heal tendon injuries. So I ended up using, I ended up using bone broth instead of collagen or gelatin. Cause I found out that bone broth had the same, you know, protein and, and amino acid profile as, as, as collagen or gelatin. So yeah, I ended up taking, you know, it was making bone broth and drinking it all the time and, you know, stinking up my apartment and seeing all these practitioners and trying all these things. And yeah, I think just like the, the kitchen sink approach randomly and gradually just started to, started to heal things. And when did you start running again? So what, when was the first time you put the shoes back on and said, let's give this baby a try? Yeah, actually, I actually still remember. So I went to Stanley Park, which is just a local park here with, you know, gravel trails. And I think the physio had given me, you know, the most uh, depressing walk run uh, program you can imagine where I, I think I ran for 30 seconds the first time. And uh, it, it was funny, I, you, you know, I, having been through this and starting from literally zero, it helps you kind of relate and empathize to new runners who say how hard it is because, man, it is so hard to get back into running after you've literally done nothing. So yeah, I think, you know, it was, it was just, it was just so difficult, but I was just like so happy to be out running and just feeling like the wind and the breeze in your face. Um, so I ran, I I did the 30 seconds of running and right away my feet, like I I didn't realize this, but like, I don't know if new runners get this, but my feet just swole up like crazy. It was like at the end, it was like the equivalent of like the end of a trail race where your feet are all swollen, but that happened after like 30 seconds of running. So I was like, Whoa, like what the hell's going on here? Um, so that's, uh, yeah, definitely one thing I remembered from that first run. And then, and then from there, it was just like, just trying to be so conservative, just following this like silly walk run program and, uh, you know, 30 seconds here then you know, 45 seconds, then a minute. And, you know, the whole thing takes like three months. It takes forever. So kind of just doing that. And, you know, I'm into, you know, doing some backcountry skiing at the time too. So I would kind of do that, to you know, fill my soul and have a nice outlet. And then I, you know, stick to this walk run program and try to, you know, gradually get back to it. And, um, yeah, I think just being so conservative on the ramp up that really, really helped in hindsight, um, and kind of got me back to, got me back to running eventually. Did you think that you'd be able to, to run at or similar to the level that you were pre-injury or was this just a matter of like, I would just like to run again. I don't really care about the competitive side anymore. Definitely the latter. I was like, oh my gosh, like after not running for so long, I just want to, I just want to run you know, running such a gift sounds corny, but, uh, just so nice to be out there. Even now I would take, you know, I would take like, you know, whatever, four, four days of running a week for the rest of my life. Then, you know, a couple of years of competitive running and flaming out again. So yeah, just, just, just running was, was so nice. And, you know, I was constantly, you know, when you're coming back from injury, everyone knows this, you're, you're constantly, you're so like hyper aware of every little niggle, especially around the injured area. So I was just like, almost like running on eggshells for, you know, six months. It just took so long, particularly like running downhill. I think I was still like traumatized because that's how I did it before. Um, I just felt so unnatural and scared running downhill really for almost a year probably. Um, But uh, yeah, I remember kind of coming into that summer, just doing, you know, lots of like hikes with friends and still doing a bit of running and trying to just, you know, get some more time on my feet and trying to and then and I was just like hoping I was like oh man I like hope this weird feeling doesn't come back in the bottom of my foot because that would just devastate me so um yeah luckily it didn't and when you were finally able to to run unencumbered without this idea of you know potential impending doom uh and no longer running on eggshells so to speak 
What was that like for you? Because you must have been so tempted at certain points over these years to just be like, why am I putting myself through this? Like for a sport like that I had this you know short little dalliance with, as opposed to be like, hey, I got other things I'm doing here. I could just do these other things while I'm trying to heal. And so I want my foot to be 100%, but I don't have to run. So what was that like once you'd finally come full circle? It was just bliss. Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's so hard when 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 you just I had to, I just had put so many eggs in that basket and had been just continually just let down so much. It uh, it really just changes your perspective. I I just loved it. I was just like so excited and and just so happy to be running. But then obviously like the the competitive side of you creeps back in there. You know, it's it's. Uh, I thought I had it it buried deep within me, but it obviously comes comes back out. And you know, before long after I'd had. I don't know, maybe like six months or a year of running. I, um, you know, ended up like hopping in a random, a random, I think it was a, it was a random like trail race up here in, uh, in Whistler, Canada, uh, ended up registering like the day before and was just so nervous and like so stressed. I didn't even sleep like the whole night. Cause I was just so like excited and, and, and somewhat worried and how my body was going to respond. But, um, yeah, I think I think just being able to to get back into it and, and really, you know, the, the community is 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 really what you miss as well when you're when you're into just being being at races and, and you know, meeting other people and being a part of the community was something I really missed as well. Um so getting back to it, it just I don't know, it sounds corny again, but I just felt like I felt like a void had been had been filled and I was like just almost complete again. Yeah. And then from all of this pain in the assness. The company was bored. So it's not even like you can say like, hey, this sucked. There were no like there's no silver linings here. I just like I, I wish I could go back in time and change how this happened. And if, if my if my younger self only knew X, Y, Z. And while we certainly can live with those things, even if there is a silver lining in this case, there is one. Yeah, no doubt. It was um, really unexpected at the time. And now looking back it's, it's crazy, you know, how it worked out. I ended up, so, so yeah, for, for, for the listeners, I mentioned, I was talking about bone broth. Um, and, and at the time this was like 2016, 2017, no one was really selling it. So that's why I was stinking up my apartment, making big pots of, of bone broth all the time. And particularly in Canada, um, I wasn't all that, you know, happy with my job and what I was doing. Um, wanted to start a business at some point and just wasn't quite sure where it was going to be or what it was going to look like. So it's like, Hey, well, you know, I'm young, you know, I don't have uh, a mortgage or anything or kids. So why don't I just like try to try to sell bone broth here locally and, and, and see if there's a market for it and kind of test it over six months and see if we can make a go of it. So yeah, that, that's kind of where I ended up starting a, starting a business So Bluebird Provisions bone broth is, is my company now. And we've been around for, yeah, I mean, coming on five, six years almost. And, uh, originally we just, uh, sold it locally in Vancouver. I would make it all in a commercial kitchen and deliver it to people and, you know, take online orders and all that kind of fun stuff. And eventually we got into to grocery stores and now we're, you know, we're in sold in the U S and Canada and all over the place. And that's, uh, you know, what I spent, spent most of my time doing. So it was like, just like a unbelievable turn of events. Um, and, and yeah, looking back, it just kind of gives me like, it gives me hope that you can always just find some sort of, some sort of way to, to find a, a benefit in, 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 in any setback. So now I'm almost like through that and just, just reliving that, I've almost like conditioned myself now to see any like injuries or perceived failures or setbacks and, and just try to see them as opportunities to, 
find something else or, you know, um, just turn that into a, a positive somehow. Cause there's always, there's always a silver lining everywhere. That's for sure, man. That's a great story. Okay. Before we finish up, I got to pick up my kids at school. You're, you're running a small business. You can't be on the, on the, on the mic all day with me. So before we get going, where are you athletically now? Yeah. So I'm, you know, back running. So I had a, after the injury, um, I had a, a you know, I would say a good season of, of kind of running and racing in 2019. I was back running some ultras, uh, in, you know, Washington and California and up here in Canada had a great season. And then obviously the last couple of years has been kind of up at the air for everybody in terms of racing, uh, in Canada we're yeah, we were a bit behind getting events back. So there's certainly nothing in 2020, 2021, I had another kind of straight, you know, some Achilles issues. So I didn't really push it and just kind of just, just chilled and rested up. And, you know, there's no races to come back to up here anyways. And the borders were a mess. So yeah, now, now I'm, you know, just uh, gradually trying to get get through the winter and gradually, you know, build up some some mileage for the spring. So we'll be definitely uh, targeting a few races in the in the summer fall for uh, for next year. And like, just I'm like so giddy trying to like plan the season out and figure out what I want to do. And um, yeah, it's you know race planning season for everybody. So I'm just cautiously optimistic. You know, I don't want to get back into the old habits I had before. So I'm just trying to trying to just be healthy really and, and see where that takes me in terms of racing. Well, it's a great story coming back from a huge injury and, you know, one where you weren't 100% sure that you were going to come back. You probably had inkling that doctor wasn't quite right. But nevertheless, hearing that news is can be a traumatic thing. It's certainly a dramatic thing. That's for sure. And here you are, man, making it happen. Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah, I uh, appreciate chatting with you. And I uh, look forward to uh, hearing who else you have on the show. That makes two of us, my man. All right. Talk to you later. Sweet. Take care. Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Huge shout out to Brio as well. Go to us.brio.com today for the best recovery tools on the market. I love that company. Just love them so much. All right, so next week, it's Christmas week. So what's that mean for this podcast? Obviously, it means a lot for a lot of people. But for this show specifically, we are going to have our regularly scheduled pod at the beginning of the week. But I'm not going to be putting out a podcast at the end of the week. That's right. There will be no Christmas podcast on The Rambling Runner. But we will get one early in the week. And rest assured, it will be a very, very good one i'm excited we're actually recording it tomorrow so much fun uh so with that being said thank you so much for listening and happy running this has been a production of rambling runner podcast this podcast is produced by david margetti of in post media thank you to meta p for the music his song righteous path featuring rex mayhem and chip Fu is produced by symphonic bang Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.